The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What is up, guys? It is your boy, Johnny Mags, back at you once again, and this time for a special edition of the All Angels Podcast, featuring Chris, the Curator Johnson from Halo Haven. Now, this podcast is special edition because it is an interview that we had with superfan Tom Duino, the, or one of the go-to guys for Angel Sports Memorabilia. We spent an afternoon with Tom Duino, Chris, and myself, and we had a blast going over Angel's memorabilia, going over Angel's stories. Uh, our memories of Anaheim Stadium, our memories of our favorite baseball players and why we became Angel fans, and obviously going over the jaw-dropping collection of Angels memorabilia that Tom Duino has. Now, I myself can't speak for Chris, but I had a blast that day, one of the best times I've had in a long time, hanging out with Tom. Tom brought over some Angels memorabilia from his collection, and just a little snippet of stuff that I saw was enough for me to say, holy, you know what? I was just fanboying out on the stuff that, that Tom brought over for us to see. He shared with us. We had a great time. You know, um, Tom's knowledge of Angels baseball, Angels memorabilia is off the charts. Like I said, a jaw-dropping collection that this man has on his hands here. And we just wanted to make sure that this podcast or this interview had his own podcast just because we had such a good time and we hope you guys enjoy this interview and sit back, kick up your feet and drive down Angel's memory lane with myself, Chris Akurita Johnson and super fan Tom Duino. What is up? It is Johnny Mags from the All Angels Podcast. And on this edition of the podcast, we have a special interview with superfan Tom Duino. Uh, we've talked about Tom on the podcast before. Actually, I'm here with the curator as well, Chris the Curator Johnson. And um, we've talked about Tom on the podcast before. Uh, Chris, you want to introduce our, uh, ho- or, uh, our guest here? Yeah, I, I actually came to know Tom uh, first. First off, I was on some weird Angels website looking up how to authenticate some type of bat or something from the 60s. And there's a email address for Tom. It said, if you have anything, uh, any questions about anything Angels, this guy's the foremost authority on Angels baseball. So I sent him an email. I found an old Brian Downey bat at the swap meet, wanted to make sure it was the real deal. Tom wrote back within a day. I was really surprised. We, I kind of emailed back and forth and then a few years later I came across I was him at spring training I was about to leave we're packing up heading out of Tempe and then I was wearing the flannel jersey and then Tom saw it he approached me we were in the parking lot for about three hours afterwards we never thought we were going to get home that Sunday night but um since then kind of maintained a friendship Tom's invited me out to the stadium 
to sit in his season seats. He's given me all sorts of stuff to add to the collection at Halo Haven. And he's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Angels baseball. He's one of those guys you aspire to when you're a collector. So uh, to have him here is quite the privilege. We've been spending the afternoon going through the garage with John and I and just talking Angels baseball and looking at memorabilia and sharing stories. So it's been a really cool experience. Yeah, yeah. I've just met Tom today. And yeah, the wealth of knowledge is off the chart. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us on the All Angels Podcast. Thanks for having me out here to Riverside, back to the old home area. It's a pleasure to meet up with you for the first time, John, and of course to see Chris and to finally see the Halo Haven here. It's really stupendous. It's it's, it's one of those jaw droppers for me to see that's, uh, that there's somebody else out there besides me that has the kind of love for the memorabilia that... Um, kind of almost I would say knows no bounds because <laughs> some of the things Chris has uh, seem to know no bounds he has a butts for God's sake <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so um I mean Tom could share stories I mean we could probably do a whole podcast oh, yeah. for a year just off Tom's knowledge and his <laughs> stories that he's been telling yeah. us yeah um but we're going to kind of focus on how he became an Angels fan obviously his collection he worked for the team for a period of time um his stories will blow your mind. He probably can't even share some of the stories because <laughs> he's told me some stuff. You know, he's only told a few people, and I, I'm, I'm very lucky to hear that. But uh, we're just going to talk about how his collection started, um, kind of what he has in his collection, some of the things he wants to, you know, he's still looking for, um, and just kind of go from there. So, how'd you become an Angels fan, Tom? I guess we'll start there. So, in 1970, at age eight, like, probably like a lot of people we went to our first angel game my i grew up and lived in corona from the time it was a small town of 10,000 people to i think it's i know it's well into the three figure or six figure now um in population so we grew up in corona that's my earliest memories and my uncle lived in orange and we went to a game against the washington senators i don't know why we went, my dad went with us. My dad really wasn't a baseball fan. He was really more of a football, basketball fan and a UCLA fan. But probably like any good dad, we went off to the game against the Washington Senators and I remember getting there early. And my most vivid memory to start this whole process with baseball, this love affair with baseball, is there was a, in my mind's eye, a giant on the field and it was Frank Howard from the Washington Senators just an absolutely immense man mm -hmm. out there playing baseball with his glasses on <laughs> so beyond that we went upstairs and sat in our seats in the top level looking down and I remember looking down at what was my became my first favorite player and he still is very much as somebody that I collect and am interested into to this day which is Tom Egan who was wearing number 30, which is interesting because that became Nolan Ryan's number later. And yeah. then, in and I remember you, you talked about Tom Egan the first time I met you out at Tempe. You told me a story about how you uh, kind of found his address and went yeah. up to his doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's one thing that I uh, have admitted more and more the last few years. It's the only time in my life I'm really kind of reticent about approaching some of these people, but I never met Tom Egan face-to-face -face when I was a kid, and I wanted to meet Tom Egan. So at one of my annual spring training trips, I, I had his address, which was in Tempe, and I went over there, and I 
um, did the stalker thing on his house. <laughs> I, but I, it took me a year just to find the house because it's a street that stops and starts, and I wasn't smart enough to look at a cell phone or anything to uh, figure out where the house is. But I eventually found his house, and I, and I stalked it. And then I think the next year, I went back, and I took my bat. I was going to go there, and I was going to knock on the door and get my bat signed. So I drove up, parked at the curb, heavy sigh. I go to get out of the car, and sure enough, the garage door, automatic garage opener, starts to open up. And a car pulls in, and it's Tom Egan's wife. I'm sitting there, standing there out there by, at the curb with my bat. And she walks out and walks over to me. She's looking at me with this cross face going, can I help you? And I said, heavy sigh. And yeah, I'm a Tom Egan fan, and I was hoping I could get him to sign his bat. Well, let me see if he's here. So it, was, it turned into one of the best experiences of my um, fandom life, my angel's life. Because within about a minute, this jolly giant with hands as big as a bear came flying out of the front door. And he banged down the curb. And 30 plus minutes later, after I said goodbye, and I'm not being facetious, I said goodbye eight times I tried to leave. I remember <laughs> counting it. Tommy Egan had answered every question I had, signed my bat. I brought a book of photos. He signed I didn't want him to, but he signed every photo that I had and just told me all these stories, and it was just such a wonderful experience. And I don't think I'll ever go up to anybody else's door again because I don't know that it could ever be topped by that. So going back, whatever, 40 years, 30-plus years later after having uh, watched this guy, and that takes me back to, which I don't think I've told you, my first, how I started with collecting that was my next question. Thanks for <laughs> you beat me to it. Good second. Like what started it? I remember my first game being obsessed with the souvenir guy with the big foam fingers and the mini bats, and all, all that fun stuff. That was where my intrigue was, and I think that's kind of where I started. I want to. I want to know what really got you going. It actually ties into where I'm at today, which is Riverside, because growing up in Corona, there really no, were no malls in Corona, so. The closest mall was Tyler Mall in Riverside, which is very close to Corona. Mm -hmm. I don't think they even call it Tyler Mall any longer. They call it a gallery. A tire? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there was a store in there called Toy World. Here we go, the fastest Toy World ad in the world. Toy World's after Christmas clean-out sale starts now. You've got to be kidding. Toy World's after Christmas clean-out sale starts now. So much to tell and so little time. So it was, I believe, July of 1970, about the time we went to that first Angels game, and we walked into Toy World, and on the counter were little cardboard boxes with a window in them. I think it was just an open window. And there on the top of the box was Tom Egan. Card number four from the set. And I bought that first box of cards, or my mom bought it, obviously, and... That was it. It was just like a. That was my first instant instant yeah. touch of the nice. the drug yeah. that I. <laughs> that I'm addicted to today. You can't kick that habit. I don't know. <laughs> and that's how it started. Okay. Yeah, I remember uh, when we first talked. How you told me some story about how out in Tempe somewhere there was some storage unit and it had just all these uniforms and memorabilia that went from spring training. I want to say. And someone had them all amassed, and somehow you kind of got your hands on that. And this is the; these are in the days where people didn't care about game use, didn't care about collecting as much. 
is before that craze hit in the '80s. So I remember you kind of hit it big. I so say. I unfortunately was a little bit young at the time. I was still in high school. I think maybe junior high. So it was in the late '70s and. Chris is partially right there because I don't know a lot of the details and in fact it's something I want to go back to because the person that had this stuff is still alive from my understanding and he lives down there but somewhere in Arizona this man found out there was a storage unit storage unit I don't know if it was at the stadium or stadiums I don't know the exact nature of it but the bottom line is they had in there the angels uniforms from say the mid to late 60s early 70s and flannel uniforms and then they had even which is really to this day has impacted the hobby they have the oakland a's which was chock full of future hall of famers like reggie jackson and you know dick williams i'm sure joe dimaggio as a coach was in there raleigh fingers on and on that was just a team full of stars and multiple multiple jerseys of everybody but the but from my side the angels flannels were in there and so uh i don't know why they were marketed this way but they were marketed um and, and again there was no internet at the time so it was through just letters in the mail they were marketed through a man named dick dobbins in alamo california who's has a very well known name in the hobby even though he passed unfortunately many years ago and Dick was selling these jerseys at, I remember they were $35 each, or which is, again, a decent <laughs> amount of money, but, or three for 100 for the lesser names. And so that's when I was able to score the some core of my flannel collection, the Jim Fregosi's, Clyde Wright, um, names like that. Unfortunately, in my blindness at the time, or maybe lack of funds, I didn't buy and I remember being on there a Tom Egan which is uh, a jersey that I really really wanted so um, yeah that's really the story and I don't I wish I knew more of the details to this day so do you think that was like your biggest mega pick I guess for the lack of no words no the biggest you had a bigger one than that the, the biggest mega pick by far I would say still is in the late 70s there was a at the card shows that I would go to and nobody basically had and nobody basically wanted game used at the time but there was a local card dealer who had a card store in Huntington Beach named Gene Farrell F-A-R-O-L-E and unfortunately he later passed away and then his, his son took over the store and I don't know whatever became of the store but Gene would show up with these hand-me-down angel nets from the early mid 70s there and they had been used for, I think, scout teams after the Angels didn't want them. So what I had understood these scout teams are is Major League teams would play, um, have kids play that were in high school or whatever during the, during the winter so they could watch them mm -hmm. outside of the season and maybe teach them some of the, maybe some of the fundamentals or whatever it is they, they did. But the bottom line is they used hand-me-down Major League jerseys. And so Gene had a stacks of these angels knits and the jerseys were all $20 a piece at the time and nobody wanted them and he used, Gene used to just giggle at me because I'd stand there holding the jerseys up in the light figuring out whose names had been on the back figuring out whose they were and nobody cared and oh the only exception to his $20 rule were the 
Nolan Ryan jerseys. Those jerseys, which were 30. So <laughs> I got three oh, Nolan Ryan jerseys from him for $90. Wow. So He pops it up. A tough play. There's your, that's your probably the biggest haul of all time right there. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And those are some of my favorite items to this day, those jerseys of Bruce Bakhti and Leroy <laughs> Stanton. Um, there were yeah, he was actually in the garage a few moments ago, kind of examining this uh, game used jersey I had. Well, he walked in and it just, he, he yeah, like gravitated. The light, like, the light shine he's on developed it. like it's this. Uh, aura. You know it, yeah, yeah. He, he was like using his halo vision yeah. that he's worked on for all, all these years. So it was pretty. Well, he actually corrected you. You thought it was somebody else. I thought it was a Willie Mays Aikens. I was sold on that. That's what the seller said. But now you know. But um, Tom quickly held the jersey up to the light, like he said, and. Found out that it wasn't wasn't the case. So <laughs> he 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 really does have have that ability. It's like a sixth sense. Gene also had a lot of pants back then, so I was really happy. I know a lot of people don't like collecting pants, but the pants to me were a very cool part of the uniform, and many of them had the names inside. So I, I remember getting particularly a stack of 1972 Angels knit pants, which was the first year they wore the knits. So those are pretty cool to see. Names like Ken Berry in there or Bobby Winkle, somebody like that. Wow. Yeah, speaking of that, I mean, I know you have this fascination when it comes to more of the obscure Angels players, players that most Angel fans would be like, who? Yeah. I mean, John the other day threw Who'd you throw at me? Renee Gonzalez. No, it was the guy that you... Oh, Jeff Juden. Jeff Juden. I, I completely forgot about him. I have a Jeff Juden story. Yeah, so <laughs> Tom has this fascination with obscure players, and one aspect of his, you know, his fandom is that he likes to photograph players, especially at spring training. Um, if it's the player's first at bat, I saw him one day run down um, to get, I think it was Taylor Featherston, his first major league at bat when I was sitting with him. So he has this fascination, and that to him is almost like your holy grail to find that image or video clip. We just watched one. So where did that come from? So just as the you know being a fan of the Angels' history and the collectibles went along, and it started with the baseball cards, like I said, and then it fanned out into whatever stadium-born swag there was at the time, pennants or plastic helmets, batting helmets when I was a kid, to then it moved into 1975 into the game-used bats, and then that went from there to immediately into the first game-used jersey, which is John Doherty, which I still have. And so uh, that's kind of the progression of how it went along. And, and along the way, I realized I had all these pictures and this archive of pictures and that I wanted to have not only pictures of everybody but uh, or not everybody but every angel I wanted to get a picture of everybody in an angel every angel uniform, that's ever played or been a coach been in the front office been a manager all of them I wanted to get a picture of them to have in my collection at least one and that's pretty obs so have, pretty you, have you got there guys. yet no so who who are you missing? So one that's would seemingly 
be able to, to appear somewhere that I still haven't been able to find. And I've asked for a lot of help from a lot of sources. And no has always been the answer, including one this week was of Stan Bonson, who played for the Angels in 1982. I think he was the Rookie of the Year for the uh, American League with the Yankees in 67 or 68, around there. Okay. And so he's a very well-known player. There just doesn't seem to be any pictures of him as an angel, that, at least that I can find. And I think he appeared in at least a handful of games. So that's one. Another one which I think may not even exist anywhere, so I'm hoping maybe, maybe there's a pose somewhere, um, is Bobby Darwin. And Bobby Darwin was later known in the later 60s and then in the early 70s as a power hitter, a slugger. He played a little bit for the Dodgers, and then he played quite a bit for the Brewers, and he really had his notoriety with the Brewers. But Bobby Darwin came up with the Angels in 1961, their first year. I think it was the very last game of the season, and Bobby Darwin pitched one inning because he was a pitcher at the time. Mm. I don't know of anybody that has any pictures of Bobby in any kind of an angel uniform. So that's one that's very obscure. And sometimes now, and I've never had the nerve to do it, I would almost want to ask some of these players for help, but I've never once gone back and asked any of these guys <laughs> for help. Do you have anything? So those two, right off the top of my head, are the ones that come to mind as being pictures that I haven't been able to find. Is there any item of Angels memorabilia or baseball or anything um, affiliated with the team that you do not collect? Is there anything that you just kind of pass on? <laughs> Is that possible? No, nothing. <laughs> I have a hard time with it. We were both at the swap meet the yes. other day, and we were seeing stuff. And some stuff you kind of, you know, if you collected it all, I know mean, you'd have to... What I would say is that my collection more so, way more so, is focused on the players and the personalities and the coaches and managers, mm -hmm. the, the people. Mm -hmm. um, that's really what's been more of my interest than the generic things. And not that I don't like the generic things, not that I don't want them, but to me, uh, one of the, I don't know, 50 or 100 bobbleheads of Mike Trout is more intriguing to me than a flag that's just the team logo. And I'm not trying to put that down at all because Lord knows I collect all, all these things and will take all of them. But at some point, it's really more the players that intrigue me and, the again, those personalities. And maybe maybe some of that stems back to some of the interactions. Yeah, man, I know some guys, some people are big stat guys and things like that. I've never been big on that. I like the stories and telling the history of yeah. the team. I mean, we both talk about the yeah, history the of this and that. So, I mean, that's the history is where, yeah. you know, what brought me into the yeah, into the, the team. Uh, the obscurity part of it, too, is I find that so intriguing. Yeah, you're you really – Yeah, I'm, You throw I'm, out obscure players all I, the time. I love I'm like, thinking what? of the guys that no one even bothered to think of, you know. It's always been a kind of something I gravitate towards, too. You know? I have a friend that uh, is, I've had known well – Man, it's 32 years now, I just realized. Um, really getting old. So he particularly likes to collect what he calls O, the letters O-Y-A, the initials for One Year Angels. Mm. And that, yeah, is like his, that. that is his collecting um, focus, especially where these players are ones that appeared in the major leagues for the Angels any time during one year from, say, just one game, like a Dick Wants or, or a Tom Walker, 
to a guys that maybe like Craig Gerber in 1985. He was our backup infielder the whole year, yeah. and Craig never saw the major leagues again. But he was he lasted a whole year there. So that's his interest is these one year angels. It's a whole new podcast. No, all there. angels. We're gonna do. I could do that one yeah. year I angel podcast. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. These are guys that never played ever in the major oh, leagues okay. again. Their one appearance, well, and, that, and never played for another oh, MLB okay. franchise. Right, Bob, dude, that's awesome. Another, wow, that's even more yes. obscure. I was just thinking, just the one year yeah. angel guy. Another, wow, another awesome. one that, uh, that comes to mind that lasted like a whole season. I think was Bob Alietta. He has a baseball card in 1976 with the tops, and people don't realize he was around one year, and then. Bob, Bob never was around again. Oh so some of these gosh. guys are just one or two games or a few games, that's, maybe a, a handful of games. But that's yeah, there's some in, amazing names on the list, and just to to see them is yeah, it's, it makes me smile again. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, kind of speaking, I mean, your collection actually has helped others when they've come to maybe compile a book or some type of article. They've kind of turn to you as far as providing, you know, pictures or, um, you know, memorabilia or anything like that. We were kind of speaking about that or how you contributed to 50 years under the halo, that book and some other things you've met people in the industry and, and kind of made connections through your fandom. And I think that's really neat. That's kind of, I mean, that's why we're here today. We made a yeah. connection. So yes, there's been, I think four books and I know books are getting to be passe now. So um, four books. That, actually, more, it's more than four books. Go, it goes back to 1996 was the first time, and there was an author out of the Midwest that was looking for somebody that had actually seen Nolan Ryan play during the 1970s. So he wrote a he wrote a book about uh, baseball in general by the decades, and he put a whole page in this pictorial book, which was an interview with me and my memories in particular of seeing Nolan Ryan in the 1970s. So that's uh, pretty cool. He, I never learned the book came out until the following year, and I just happened to run into it in a store because, um, again, there was no internet at the time. And then what was really cool is the Baseball Hall of Fame chose that as one of their... At the time, they were doing about three books a year that they would focus on in their mail-out catalog, and they chose that book. So it was a fairly well-done Awesome. <laughs> and I I like that one. I don't remember the author's name. I think his last name was Owens. And then I fast forward up into the 2000s, and the author out of Huntington Beach, Chris Epting, has done a couple of books um, about LA's ballparks, and he used some of my pictures in there. And uh, there were a couple of books. I don't remember what the other title was, but um, he used some pictures in there. And then. Um, the Angels did the book that Chris was talking about, the, the Under the Halo book, where they needed to see photographs, especially from the 60s and 70s. They didn't have it in their archives, so they had turned to me through their photographer and photographers and was able to share a lot of pictures, and they were able to take pictures of a little bit of the memorabilia and put them inside the book, and it, that's a really nice coffee table book that I think came out in spring of 2000. 13, if I recall, is the date, and it's an expensive book, about fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can find it, I think, on Amazon for thirty, thirty-five, and yeah, that's a really nice book, and it has a, a lot of neat stuff in it. Yeah. I've also helped out Rob Goldman some with his books about 
um, the Angels' history and about Nolan Ryan that he's done in the last six, seven years. So that was very cool, you know, reading some of his, his tales in mm -hmm. there and helping him edit that and feeding yeah, him Yeah, we know, we know you're a big Nolan guy. We're yeah, talking yeah. about you named your son Nolan. Your phone case has Nolan on the back. Pretty sweet. Uh, you even told me one time, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, that you actually have Nolan Ryan's locker, actual physical locker from Arlington. Right, right correct. Ballpark at Arlington. I know it's not Angels, but still it's Nolan Ryan. That's pretty dang cool. Yeah. You know, to have that piece, wow. Um, so It's an amazing item, but I, I think I've realized in hindsight why I ended up with that because it's such it's so big and unwieldy, as it were, for the normal person that uh, it probably wouldn't fit in their house very good. So that's that's one of the items. It's a it's kind of a a big oversized piece of memorabilia sitting there. Now is it is it like a like a metal locker? Or is it like wood? Like a wood it's, locker? It's really heavy metal grating. I mean, it weighs probably each segment of it uh, weighs probably more than a hundred pounds. I would say I had right. to have a, a guy come over and help me. Well, I should help me. He did all the work. I just <laughs> held it and mounted up into the wall and. That's where it sits to this day. It's filled with a lot of junk, as it were. Nolan was actually so big at the time that um, the, he had two lockers. He had two adjoining lockers oh, okay. with one common wall. So this is, I guess, in essence, as it were, half of a locker. What's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. This is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. What an awesome story about that uh, Nolan Ryan locker and how it came to be. But I guess we were talking about it. I and mean, when I try to find a lot of stuff, it's just eBay, swap meets. Swap but me. realizing that there's this real another layer of angels and baseball memorabilia traders that exist. It's like this kind of like this black market, which is really cool. And I want to be connected somehow. And I don't I don't know how you get there. It yeah, takes years of crazy. connections. I don't know that it's true that I wouldn't call it a black market. I mean, just, <laughs> just looking around in the Halo Haven here today, there's things that, uh, like this, the sweet sign, uh, like that, are just, you talk about where does this stuff come from, and it's not always about money, it's about sometimes a, 
about more and more. I understand it's about money because there's a lot of knowledge and the internet makes speech things up mm -hmm. so fast. But there's also a lot to be said for if it's going to a swap meet and finding something in a box like that that's so unique or your Riverside Don's pictures like that. I mean, that could yeah, that is just be right place, one, right time. Yeah, one off. And it is. That, that's part of it. So the, And you have to have that knowledge of what that item is. Because people pass it up all oh, the yeah. time, and they have yeah. no idea, but your path that's the right is, person. Your path, though, is what I'm saying, is, is not a bad way to go. It's, mm -hmm. it, and it's certainly more fiscally responsible, probably, than the yeah, path that a do I probably dollar or five dollars for yeah. some of the stuff that we find. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were at the Swamit the other day. Boxes. Yeah, they had three bottles. Well, for I got five three bucks. bottles for five dollars, but before that, I had asked a kid. He was like, "Oh no, they're three or four dollars each," and I'm like, "Yeah, I might put these down." Yeah, you know. So, I yeah, think, it's a game. It, yeah, All negotiation. Right. <laughs> all right, Tom. I know you worked at the stadium. We talked about how you did ticket sales and all sorts of different things at the stadium. So, which gave you the opportunity for when they were throwing away things. You know, to you know, bring stuff back into your collection, but also you had a lot of encounters with you know players, front office staff, you know, ownership, and I mean, we're talking about Autry ownership. So you know, share share a story or two of you know one of the coolest things really, that happened. Really, if I had to go back to the events that went on then, which was it was a, yeah, you know, I tell people a couple of things. One, just in general was that what a positive basically work environment that it was because really we know that in life and I'm not trying to be too philosophical here but we really don't have to do anything but we kind of have to in our lives that we live we have to go to the grocery store we have to get gas we have to go to work well nobody has to go to a ball game that really is not a factor yeah, so do. yeah so almost everybody that you would encounter there you know 99 percent of them were people that were usually in pretty good moods and so you talk about a positive environment to be around just in general that was good not to having to deal with really negativity but as far as that particular story what just always struck me that was so surreal is because the tickets weren't as much online back in 2002 at the World Series, the other teams all had allotments of tickets, and so they returned unused tickets to to the Angels uh, so they could be sold and used. And so the day of the games on the World Series games, Game 6, Game 7, Game 1, Game 2, all of them, but Game 6 and Game 7 are the most vivid in my memory, there were... We were having, we had tickets to sell, and I never would have, in my wildest dreams, ever thought, oh, I'm just going to go walk up to the stadium for Game 7 of a World Series wow. for a team that's never been in it. That's crazy. And I'm going to buy a ticket. And that included, and I will never forget this, that included Diamond Club seats. There were people that became so savvy after those two days that they came up and they would say, you have any Diamond Club? Because you know they were going to resell them. But oh, yeah. that was just wow. amazing to me that we were sitting there an hour, hour and a half before Game 7 of the World Series and were, people were buying tickets over the counter. And, in that size. and, and not, not a couple, I'm talking like in the hundreds, there was that many. And I'm sure it's different I mean, now. With why, all why did I not know that at that time? Well, I, had, <laughs> I had tickets for Game 6. You see, I didn't seven. get to go, yeah. I was there for Game 2 and 6. 
it was yeah that was a moment not to be missed and so that was that was uh very cool so that those are two of the stories that really come to mind there weren't really many encounters with anybody of of celebrity status sometimes celebrities would come up to the window but it was just part of the you know they were coming to the game i remember donald sutherland coming up to the window to go to the game or um uh, some band members would come up i remember one time and this is this is where i'll end it jason bonham john bonham from Mm -hmm. um zeppelin jason bonham who was older already came up and he gave his passport through the window and i mean this had so many stamps and papers stuck inside of it it barely fit through the window it must have been an inch thick with all this stuff and I, you know we had to look at that to id to to give him his tickets and i don't know that one always just stood out for me that jason bond was was there checking out an angel's game. <laughs> yeah very cool yeah i was just at the nixon library and i know nixon was a big angels fan and i always remember the iconic photo of bobby gritch pouring that beer on his head but you know guys like that passing through the stadium eisenhower big angels fan very cool. It just uh, speaking of that, Bobby Gritch spoke over at the Nixon Library in the, about a year or two ago, and I went and heard him, and he talked quite a, at, at length about that photo and signed a copy of it for me. So, yeah, he, Bobby's a really excellent speaker if you ever have the chance to talk to him. Okay. Uh, last, I think it was last year, we, we were at the ballpark. You are telling me all sorts of stories that were blowing my mind that I couldn't really grasp or comprehend. But you were telling me a story about how you met up with someone who worked at the Autry, Gene Autry household, the former um, cook, I believe, how you right. met up with her at, I think it was a Carl's Jr., I want to say, and you bought a piece of memorabilia. So just tell us a little bit about that story. I think people, the listeners would love to hear that one. That's pretty, yeah, pretty cool. Just part of the whole networking thing. Somebody I met through eBay that said they had this... Uh, jacket that they said was Gene Autry's and and I know from the way that the jackets were tagged in the 1970s that they were different than ones that the very few that the public could have purchased so she had this jacket it actually was I could see a hand-me-down that was Dave Chalk's jacket but she assured me and she had a letter from Jackie Autry that she was had been a cook for Jackie and Gene Autry, and he, she'd been given this jacket. And so she met me. She was a little bit reticent. She met me with her daughter at a Burger King near work and <laughs> sold me this jacket that she said was Gene Autry's jacket with this letter from Jackie Autry. And so that's kind of a, a neat item, a different type item, in that, you know, an actual, I don't know if you want to call it, game-used jacket <laughs> of... Uh, Gene Autry, and it's also very cool for me because Dave Chalk was a big star, if you want to call it that, about as, mm-hmm. as big as a star as we had. In fact, he was our only all-star during the 1970s for at least one year. So that was a big deal to get that. Those jackets are just very obscure. Mm-hmm. Now, can I yeah, ask a question? No, go. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about Angel Stadium, and you worked there. And I, I asked Chris this question on our, when I interviewed him. What's your favorite part about Angel Stadium? Like, what stands out to you about Angel Stadium? Well, not so much the new one. I mean, it could be the new one, but even old Anaheim Stadium. Like, what stands out to you? What's what's that one iconic thing for you? Well, I know most people say the Big A. That's right. I see that's, that one over and over again. And for me, you know, it's maybe not the kind of answer you were looking for. 
obviously my season tickets that I have because I spend so much time there. I have my my place there, my my home there, as it were, for a lot of the season. And I kind of jokingly say it, but I seriously say it to friends. It's like I don't know you're at the games. You have to come find me because I'm always in the same place. I don't know where you're yeah, at. You know? I always, yeah, now that yeah. I've known Tom, I look, yeah. I peek in from the higher level, look down, I oh, see Tom, he or if he's not there, then I don't go down. But right. just going to the game with Tom, all yeah. the ush- it's one big family. The ushers know him. You know the people to your right, to your left. They're, they're big-time fans. They've had these same seats. And so it is cool. It's like this yeah. home away from home. I know people always say that about the Big refuge. A, but I think you know you could really say it in this yes. case. So to directly answer your question, then uh, the one feature, though, that is not around anymore and has not been around for a long time that a lot of people don't remember is the pitching mound that was down the left field line and right field line uh, along the foul line between the foul line and the stands. Yeah. And that's where the starting pitchers would warm up at. It wasn't the bullpen, but the, yeah, nevertheless, it was where the, the starting pitchers would warm up. So you could go down the line and watch Nolan Ryan, Bill Singer, Rudy May, the, these guys from this vintage and from the opposing team too. You could watch them literally right up close and take pictures right up close um, of these guys and to see the, you know, with any major leaguer for a, a, a layman that doesn't play more than high school like I did, to see that up close, what you're having to deal with, yeah. it's just a bit, a bit, a, oh yeah, it's a bit unreal. That's a great, especially Nolan. Way to say it. Yeah. yeah, it's just a different, different world. Like, but you know, I, I'm such a nerd for. I mean, I'm, we're all Angels fans, but mine are the trash cans. I told you the trash cans. Like I remember the trash cans. It's so weird. Uh, in the last year, remember when I was watching? We were watching. He was at the game, and I was like, "Where are you?" I was texting him, and I sent sent him a picture of the chipped. We can see the orange. Yeah, chip rail, rail, rail. and it's, you can see the orange Layers of the original of paint. Of I'm like, dude, look at this, and I said, "He's all geeking out." Yeah, I sent Chris a picture of this. You know, <laughs> it's orange from when they used to be orange. It's like discovering a piece of history, yeah. like an archaeological dig so, in somewhere. So to I, hear you say that, it's pretty cool. Right? I, I hate to, to admit it, but I think I probably have some chipped orange paint that I stuck in a little plastic. Oh and God! Did I say that? I was like, I wish I could take some with me. I have some bottles that I'm trying to get dirt in, but you know, yeah. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Um, a few more questions. We're gonna wrap it up, but we're gonna get into your memorabilia. Your I know this is hard for you to really narrow down just being, you know, after talking to you, but what's your your best piece or your favorite piece of Angel's memorabilia that you've collected? That one item. So if that's actually something that I I can answer and that, and that I know. I have one that's my favorite, and it's a lot of people that, especially people that aren't so into it, they want to talk about value and what's the value of this and that. And... I get the value and I totally understand that, but usually you don't hear me talking about that too much. And I think probably just from today, talking with Chris and John, I don't think you've probably, now that I think about it, I don't think I've really said too much about value because it's more about the passion than anything to me. So the item, to answer your question, the item that I really, and I've had it for a very long time, I paid $100 for it, that's what it was back in the day, it's a 1979 Nolan Ryan jersey obtained about mid-season. So he probably used it in the first half of the season, not when he threw his famous 
think it was one hitter against the Yankees where he, he, he lost it later in the game. Mm-hmm. Rick Miller go for the ball. And, yeah, that, that one means the most to me. And I giggle about that a little bit because people always say, well, Nolan Ryan only wear this is from the game use side. People only, Nolan Ryan only wore Goodman and Sons. Well, I, actually, he didn't. In 1979, he was wearing Wilson, just like all the other guys, after having worn Goodman and Sons for many years. So maybe later on in his career, after having used the Goodman and Sons with the Astros, some at least, not all the time, and definitely uh, for the most part with the Rangers, Nolan did wear a 1979 Wilson-branded jersey. And in Nolan's own collection, which I was able to see, fortunately, the one Angels jersey that he kept was a 1979 Wilson home jersey, so just the, like mine. The other half of the game use collection, yeah? Yeah. The latter part of the season. Wow. Yeah, so nice. pro- probably, that's what I'm guessing. I'm, he may have had more than two, but... It, well, it, back then, it was wow. usually two. Yeah, right? that's where One or two, you look at the tagging. So that's pretty... That's really my favorite item wow. to see that one. Yeah, that's, that's all right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> hundred bucks, wow. Yeah, yeah Okay. deal. With that said, what is that one item that Tom Duino doesn't have? Because I know you got to be a pretty hard person to shop for when it comes to Christmas time. <laughs> like, you can't just get you some generic angels or something. Actually, so what's that one item that you've been searching for? And I know we talked about the obscure players and you know getting their autograph or having a picture of them, but I'm talking about you know that one you know end of the rainbow type of item that you're going to search for to the end of your days. I had to limit it to one, I would say probably a Nolan Ryan game-used Angels glove. The Angels have one of his gloves, I think that he gave, I think to Tim Mead. Um, And Tim Mead, I believe, still has. And they've displayed occasionally through the years. That probably would be the one item because gloves don't get... You get you, you know, they don't go through that many gloves. They maybe even recycle them from, for multiple seasons. So... I would say a Nolan Ryan Angels glove would be very cool. If I had to give it a, a, a distant second, I would say a Nolan Ryan home game-use pants with his name embroidered in them. I have some road pants from the Angels that I was able to acquire, but some home pants would be I saw an interesting cool. picture. Yeah, I know you've seen it, but it seems you know, to be pretty rare. Um, there's a picture of Nolan Ryan down in the dugout with a bat. And it has this, you know, it's a bat that's customized. And, I mean, you can only imagine he only maybe swung it a few times. So, I don't know, that's something that you... I mean, would he have swung? Okay. I don't know if he just had it for, you know, just for the heck of it. I I mean, I know you know more about that. I don't think that uh, I've told this story to you, (laughs) or certainly not to John. And it's really interesting. When I was in the 1970s, I was at an early card show, and I started going to baseball card shows in 1975, and they were sparsely attended for the most part. And somebody had a barrel, I'm going to say a trash can, um, of some bats. And in that trash can, I know there were two bats. There was a Dave Chalk um, bat, which my friend ended up buying because he was there. And there was a Nolan Ryan bat, a black bat, broken into two pieces. So I was in junior high at the time. I took it home. I had my dad clamp it together with his wood glue and glue it back together. And I always thought, looking back from, I learned later about the dates on the bats. And I thought it was a Mets bat of his. It was his Mm. signature stamped in it. 
Fortunately, through another friend um, that knew the owner of Hilrick and Bradsby, um, Joan Hilrick, who's now unfortunately passed away again, another cancer victim, I was able to go to, to um, Hilrick and Bradsby in 2004 at the end of the season in person, and they gave us a private tour, as it were, and I got to meet her brother, who's also an owner. And they let us go to this lady who controlled all the professional bat sales records. And she looked up the bat that I have, and I was I was a little bit flabbergasted to learn that Nolan Ryan never ordered a bat with the Mets. Its very first order was with the Angels, wow. 1972, <laughs> or six bats. So this is one of those six bats, and to this day, I don't know anybody in collectordom in, in any form. The Hall of Fame, Nolan Ryan himself, and as I said, I got to see memorabilia from him. I don't know anybody else that has one of Nolan Ryan's first bats because, of course, after 1972, yeah. uh, the designated hitter Very came huge. in, so mm -hmm. Nolan didn't need to hit. There are Nolan Ryan bats that are from the time period between 73 and 79 because I, I have one of them. Uh, that I got from one of his former teammates, catcher Rick Stelmazic. And so, in any case, back to that bat. That bat is truly what I consider to be a, a un, probably, maybe even a one-off unique item. I don't know that the other five that were ordered exist yeah. or not, yeah, or if they were burned or, or got thrown away, I'm, or yeah, if the Hall of Fame would want it. And that's, that's been insane. sitting buried away wow. for years. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty amazing Woo. item when you look at it. Wow. I think that that was from '72. I mean, it, it, it's right there, and the, it's in the Hulk and Brad's ordering records. Wow! So that's pretty, pretty cool wow. as far as the <laughs> bat goes. I did get one also, which was pretty cool from again just happenstance from the Padres Bat Boy in 1980. So it had to be from 1980, used Astros. in San Diego mm -hmm. um, against the Astros. And I went to his house, not even knowing he had it, just a bat boy. I met me trying to buy stuff. And there was a <laughs> Nolan Ryan block letter, R-Y-A-N, mm -hmm. hand signed by Nolan Ryan, cracked bat. And I was like, come on, dude, you yeah, got to let me buy this. And so he ended up letting me buy it. And so that's another pretty cool Nolan Ryan bat. That, yeah. Wow, incredible stories yeah. here. I mean, we probably could do a whole separate Tom Duino All Angels podcast yeah, yeah. every week and not capture half of it. So I just want to thank Tom for making the drive out here and mm -hmm. spending the day with us. Um, and this is such a treat for us. And hopefully they, I know you guys are really enjoying these stories. And um, I know more, more to come. Hopefully we'll have Tom back here in Halo Haven on all the All Angels podcast. So uh, stay tuned for more programming coming up. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks, you guys. Thanks again, Tom. Uh, that's it. Thanks for having me.
There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. 
I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.